Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode. In this episode we wanted to talk about a topic that again we feel like isn't often discussed with any real nuance in mainstream media and even conversations with friends and this is alcohol. Especially in our 20s we've now had a few years of drinking alcohol, experiencing social pressures around it and a positive as well as maybe negative experiences which we wanted to talk about today to open up the discussion and hopefully provide slightly more nuance to the conversation. But first, let's get into our highs and lows. Cara, how's your week been? My week's been quite okay. I feel like I've had more lows than highs, but it's okay. But I'll start talking about my lows first so I can end on a good note. Um, But my biggest lows were, first, I have a mouth ulcer, which is so painful. And it's like so hard to talk. Um, And it's not like it's a a new thing for me. I always get mouth ulcers. I think I've just had them since I was a kid. It might have to do with my immune system. I always get told to go to the doctors to check check it out and figure out why but my you know like they do initial tests to check your liver and your heart and all that and like my like standard tests are always good so I think doctors have just not like gone that step further to be like okay let's check more specifically but um I'm handling at least you're healthy though yeah at least the basics are good um but yeah so I'm just dealing with that and usually they last a few weeks which is so annoying but hopefully it'll get soon well it will get well soon it will get better soon um (laughs) and another low i've been having is like the winter blues because i think the that when the sun sets earlier i just get like when it's too dark most of the time i just get a bit down and i think it's just a bit cold and Mm. i'm missing my family quite homesick so it's just you know the winter blues but to fix all that (laughs) we put up the christmas decorations yesterday which was so fun because we had like christmas music in the house and we put so ed ed's family have three christmas trees <laughs> so i got the pleasure of not just putting up one christmas tree <laughs> it's actually so extreme so cool <laughs> i know and they have like one in each room which is so nice um and they're all like different themed different colors like there's it's a there's a science to it <laughs> oh i love that yeah but it was so nice and we had like christmas music playing in the house um, and then we just ended the night like having hot chocolate and just like watching some TV. So it was just like a nice, a nice relaxing day. Um, and I'm quite glad that I still get like even though I am away from my family, I still get the chance to do something Christmassy like this. So yeah, it put me in a really good mood. Oh, also the decorations look so cute. You sent me a video of it last night, and I've already said yeah. that Kara has to post a snapshot of it on our Instagram because everybody needs to see this Christmassy vibe that your house is <laughs> yeah, currently like. It so looks nice. so like the perfect sort of Christmas house. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'll try and make like a reel or something and put it on the Instagram so everyone yes! can see. Yes, the Christmas content. I feel like <laughs> now it's. 22nd of November when we're recording this so almost a month from now it's going to be Christmas and I feel like that is a very appropriate time to start you know getting hyped up for Christmas like I feel like a lot of people say that you can only start getting in the Christmas mood when it's December but then you'd only have 24 days and I feel like the build-up to Christmas is almost better than the actual Christmas I don't know exactly and there's always like the day after when you're depressed, so you might as well make it a month <laughs> if you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I love about German Christmas because we have, so Christmas Eve is kind of the main day and then we have three more Christmas days. So it kind of, we just extend it over, I think, a longer period. 
That's so nice. Do you open your presents at midnight or in the morning? We open it kind of in the evening. So around 6pm-ish. So not too late for the kids. Okay. Of, Chris- of Christmas Day? In- On Christmas Eve. Oh, Christmas Eve. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because we, we sleep, like, so we have Christmas Eve, we always have a party and then we get some extra presents. But we don't open them. We take them home. And then the next morning we all wake up and we open our Christmas presents in the morning. And I feel, I feel like that's so normal for me. I find it quite odd when I, when people are like posting at 12.30 a.m. their Christmas presents. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> what about you, Leo? <laughs> what were your highs and lows? Okay, so my high of the week is I'd say I've had like a really good work week in the sense that I delivered quite a large report and that's not like a, a new thing, but what was new yes. that <laughs> is that I got some like really good feedback and like sort of outward recognition from my manager and also wider team and I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's not that big of a deal but I think especially in those like virtual work from home times like these small moments of achievement or like mini victories have gotten quite rare because you're not together with your team all the time <laughs> and you don't have those sort of normal moments of like what rewards you normally in work um so yeah I'd I didn't really celebrate it at all but I just you know internally I'm I'm happy about it yeah (laughs) because I feel like even though you're working like when you're working at home even though you are doing group calls and stuff you probably still feel so alone when you're writing reports and doing all these things so to actually have someone tell you that you the work that you did is good it must be nice so congrats, Leah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I quite like the working on my own aspect. Like, I think I'm actually more productive Yeah, working from home than I was in the office. But it also makes it more lonely, I guess, in the sense that you don't get to chat with people about things and you don't get to, like, bounce off ideas as much as you did when we were back in the office. And my low isn't really a low. Like, to be honest, my week's been quite good, but... I finished, I was on a, I was on a reading roll and I finished three like really good books this week and I'm now reading sort of the last book that I'd stocked up on, which is Untamed, which we've spoken about previously. And after that, I don't know what I'm going to read and that slightly makes me panic. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know if anyone can relate, but it's the same with I always have to have oat milk stocked in my fridge and if I don't, then, you, you know, there's just like this niggling thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if anybody has any good book recommendations, please let me know. To be fair, maybe I could give you one because I never gave, I have never given you one. Yes, please, 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 please. I'm open to all recommendations. My instinct is handle with care. I don't know who wrote it. Have you heard of it? Oh, no, I've never heard of that. I read it when I was a kid. Not like kid, kid. It's a, it's not like a baby kid's book. Um, but it was... I remember I finished and I literally had like an existential moment. I just cried for a few minutes and then I was like, okay, now what? But <laughs> it is a, it is a nice book. Maybe I'll I'll send it over to you. Yes, please. That I was telling you this as well yesterday. I quite often cry at books or podcasts or movies. <laughs> I think because I'm like quite an emotional person, but I really like those sort of cries because it's not me crying about something that's actually sad in my life. It's kind of more like a cathartic release of my emotions (laughs) before we get into the topic we'd like to say that we are no in no way experts 
on this topic. Um, and if you do need help or like want to seek advice, please speak to someone in your family. Or if it's like bad and, and you really need to speak to someone, speak to a professional because we obviously don't have um, the worst experiences with alcohol to the point where like we were addicted or consider ourselves alcoholics. So if you do consider it a negative impact in your life then yes please do go speak to someone because listening to this might not be <laughs> like the best alternative to yeah. fixing your problems so first we wanted to kind of discuss what our first memories or associations are of alcohol growing up because we both obviously grew up in very different cultures and different family situations so I'm personally I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this um, so alcohol was never a big part of my household, I wouldn't say. So my parents would never drink unless we had like guests over or, f or if we had big family gatherings. Um, and thinking back on it now, I'm quite grateful that uh, it wasn't like a day-to-day -day thing because it made me subconsciously think of alcohol as more of like an occasional and like a thing to do when you're celebrating rather than just something to have every day. And like I'm grateful for that now. Um and then we, we so we'd have like alcohol in our fridges in our fridges in our fridge. So like there would there would always be beer, but we'd never touch it unless we had like an event or an occasion to do or like to go to. So um I'm quite grateful for that. And my parents did not let me drink until I was eighteen years old. But it was never a forced thing. It was more like a mutual understanding between the two of us that we like between me and my parents that we could not drink. Um, and I have a vivid memory of my dad dropping my twin sister and I off to a party. And we told him that we were, like, that there was going to be alcohol there at the party. Um, but he never said, like, don't go or don't drink. There was just, it was like an unspoken trust that we wouldn't. Which I think I liked. Like, I think I, I, think I had a really good relationship with my parents to the point where I, they didn't need to, like, force me not to drink. And I remember we... We called him at the middle of that party to pick us up because there were a lot of drunk people and they started smoking something. I still don't know what it was to this day. <laughs> people were having like seizures. I don't know what was going on. I was like, what? I do not want to. What? <laughs> I was like, I do not want to be here. So we called her dad to pick us up, and I bet he, I, I bet you he was so happy that like we we did not want to be in that environment. Yeah. Um. Good judgment. Yeah, and it made me notice that like the kids that have closed off relationships with their parents tends tend to be the the mm -hmm. ones that feel the need to be rebellious and need to drink and get drunk and do all agree. do all those things um so yeah alcohol i don't think it, it was never like viewed badly i never had like a negative connotation with it um because i was never surrounded by drunks growing up or anything like that um but it is something i did not want to do until it was like legal to drink which is i know in the uk you're allowed to drink when you're 16 with an adult but in Abu Dhabi you're not so it was just like until I was 18 at uni that's when I could drink this is potentially veering a bit off topic but how did you deal with sort of not succumbing to peer pressure when you were at parties with your friends and I'm assuming obviously other people did drink in those situations yeah yeah see I don't think it was ever like a, a conscious like I never so they'd be like did you want to drink I'd just be like no no thanks and there was, they never made me like, I, I don't think I ever had that moment in high school where, where they were like, no, come on, drink, have a drink, have a drink. It was quite like a respectful environment. If I didn't want to, I didn't have to. And I think they knew, they knew my relationship as well with it, that I, I was just not going to drink until it was legal to drink. Um, So I, yeah, and it might be different because drinking in Abu Dhabi and Jordan is not like a common thing. So, yeah. and also they respect your culture and also like if people like religious people as well they mm. don't want to drink because of their religion there's there is that level of respect to it 
Um, and also, I never felt tempted to because I always most of my friends didn't drink either. But like the people I was hanging out with, so I didn't feel like I was in that group that had to have alcohol. And I was never the person to be in charge of, you know, oh, we need to get the drinks, we need to do this. It was never that. So I think it's just what's helped me is surrounding myself with people that didn't need the alcohol to have fun at parties. So I just didn't need it either. That's so interesting because I do think culture has like a massive role to play in that because yeah. in Germany alcohol is a massive part of social gatherings and especially growing up yeah. as teenagers it was a big part of it and there was definitely Germans take drinking very seriously and from the countries I visited I feel like Germans have the highest drinking tolerance so if you yeah. don't want to drink you almost have to have like a solid reason not to so I don't want to kind of isn't enough it would have to be I'm driving yeah that's so sad though yeah no I I agree whereas for me in my culture I didn't really have to justify it but not to say my uh, people didn't drink because actually Jordanian kids are rebellious and they are like you know drinking alcohol and even like smoking cigarettes like that was just that's a norm but I think there it is at like maybe respect level that you just didn't have to justify it to anyone if you just didn't want to you didn't want to yeah Going back to sort of my first memories with with alcohol, I do think Germans have yeah. like a very positive and open attitude to drinking. I think that's also part of like European culture versus maybe American culture. And the drinking, the legal limit here for sort of beer and any sort of lighter spirits is 16 and then 18 for any spiritual higher percentage alcoholic beverages. And what I do like about that is that I think you are in theory introduced to alcohol in a slower way so because not all alcohol is off limits until you're 18 you can start with sort of beer wine which is legal and then not straight away go into sort of the hard stuff um yeah whereas I feel like when I because my first experiences I actually had when I went to Scotland on like a school exchange and I hadn't really started drinking at this point I was 14 14 yeah, and the Scottish kids, they were going insane. Like, they were having these crazy parties every weekend. They were going to <laughs> festivals, and it was kind of also, like, hookup culture was super normal there. And, you know, shotting vodka in the bathroom and just getting super wasted. And it was kind of just like a, a Scottish rural town. And I was kind of shell-shocked when I got there. I was like, oh my god, I am not used to this. And it just, it seemed so much more mature than sort of where where we were at my school friends were we would maybe, you know, meet up at the beach and have, like, an innocent beer or something like that. (laughs) Which, looking back, I think that's a way better way to sort of get introduced into alcohol. I don't think there's any need for, if you're 14, 13, to already be drinking heavily. Yeah, I was was having this conversation with Ed earlier because we were kind of comparing our upbringings with alcohol. I was saying that I don't mind my dad, like, and my mom not letting me drink till I was 18. And he was like, yeah, but you didn't get to, like you know, have a trusted environment when you start drinking and stuff like that. And, like, you didn't get to, you know, know your limits and things like that because he, he was drinking at home with his parents. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, okay, yeah, but we, we both still went to uni and you we both got shit-faced and we both threw up and had, like, we went way on top of our limits. So I think just because you drank at 16 doesn't mean you were better off. Like, you were still too young. And I think even at 18 when you go to uni, we are, like, not the smartest with alcohol decisions, you know? I think so like what, for me, yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's gained that much more because he started drinking at 16. If anything, he's probably had like embarrassing 
events happened to him at 16 when he had to throw up and go home to his parents drunk. And I, I'm just happy I didn't have to go through that. I think what you said earlier is really true about just the open line of communication with your parents. I think that is the key thing. Because I know for me, me and my parents have a super open relationship. And especially now, I, I tell them everything and I would feel comfortable confiding in them with, with anything regardless of the topic. But I think back then, my parents were quite strict when it came to coming home times, so curfew times, which yeah. quite often then led to me going the other way and either then completely not following curfew or maybe saying that I would sleep over at a friend's when I was actually going to a party. And I think oh that, it, yeah, and I think that is so common, but I think me as a parent, I would much rather maybe have slightly less strict rules because teenagers are going to party no matter what, but if they feel like you have trust yeah. in them, then they are more likely to tell you the truth about where you are. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, yeah, because if, if I felt, if I was nervous about telling my parents where I was I probably just would have told them I was at a friend's house but I literally told them that we were going to a party where there is going to be alcohol but I was like don't worry we're not gonna drink and it's like it's that trust I think that you need to have because I don't know it's just like it's hard to say though because even parents that even kids that do love their parents still choose to keep things away from them just to like not have the hassle of having yeah. to talk to it but it actually like the thing is let's say I did go to that or I did drink, have a drink at that party and let's say I got a bit drunk how how's my like if I didn't tell my dad where I was he wouldn't have known where to come to pick me up and it just would have been it just would have been a dangerous situation that I wouldn't want to be in so I'd rather, like I think honest and like open communication for, with your kids and your parents would is so important um and also I think parents maybe being like open to your kid messing up once or twice because they you know you were a kid you were a kid once and you messed up when you were a kid as well so like not being so strict because that actually tends to push away kids and makes them more distant I think yeah I also agree I think obviously rules are important and some sort of sense of structure and guidance but I think as soon as the rules become too tight I think it almost has the opposite effect of the kids sort of wanting to break the boundaries so how old were you when you had your first like first alcoholic drink so 14 when I was in Scotland oh my god and then I think when I came back home it became sort of a more regular thing every weekend when I was 16. That's when we got into sort of the high school phase or college sort of the last two years of school. I just, I would say that I just had a very different attitude to alcohol then than I do now. I feel like back then we used to almost drink with the aim of getting drunk. For example, just, you know, shotting vodka and not for the actual pleasure of drinking. And especially in sort of my more awkward teenage years yes. I feel like I sometimes used it in a way to feel more confident and less socially awkward yeah. especially at parties when it was large social gatherings and I wasn't super comfortable with everybody who was there and I heard in a podcast episode which talked about it it's sort of being described as this magic elixir and I feel like I'm not quite sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly but yeah. I feel like that was almost how I felt about alcohol in that time. Not that extreme, but it definitely did did help. And when I drank, suddenly <laughs> I could talk to anyone at a party without feeling <laughs> awkward or even, you know, flirt with guys. And I do think that that often back then did maybe lead to not knowing my boundaries completely or getting too drunk, which is 
never a good idea and doesn't ever have any positive outcomes. I think when you're 15 years old or 16 or 17, you're still learning about yourself and like who you are. And if 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 your like time period of learning more about yourself is when you're getting drunk on the weekends and like you really don't know who you are because I feel like when you're drunk and drinking, that's not really you because obviously your judgments are messed up, your the decisions you make are messed up or like different than what you would do sober. So I think at least that's something for me why I wouldn't want to drink so young because like I don't know because so my my thinking is we're still growing and learning and we are still making irrational decisions when we're sober as kids yeah because we're just kids so why would and that's like normal that's fine so why are we feeling the need to consume alcohol to like disrupt those skills that we're trying to gain and like for what gain and then also at least for me you'd get in trouble so why do it yeah I think I wouldn't say sort of oh, the answer is not to drink until you're 18 or anything like that because I also think that sometimes it can help being introduced to alcohol in a slower way. Yes, it's a, it depends on the person, for sure. Yeah, and I agree in the sense that it, I think it can be toxic when you're so young and still not completely confident in who you are to then just use alcohol as like an easy fix. I also think that often we think about alcohol as this thing that makes us speak the truth or almost like be our truest but version of ourselves like this <laughs> saying in vino veritas and I think for me that often led to some more negative thoughts about myself because then I would do or say something when I was drunk that I completely did not align with when I was sober and I would think oh is that who I really am like is that how I really think yeah. when it wasn't but at the time it kind of feels that way isn't it so odd though that that's the mentality where like in society we're told that when we're putting something in our body that changes our way of thinking and changes our brain's functionality, that's our true self. And that's yeah. so odd to think. Like, how is how is putting a toxic thing in us more real, like more of our real version than us when we're sober? I don't know. That's so odd to think about. That's so true. How was it for you then coming to uni and drinking alcohol for the first time? <laughs> yeah, I had a, I think I had a really big culture shock going to university because I was only first of all I was only 17 years old so when I first went to uni it's not like I could join in and drink so I was not enough I was not old enough to go clubbing or to get out alcohol so I honestly I was instantly excluded from all the social events at university so I remember like in the first week um I would soberly sit in a room full of strangers at a pre-party when they were they were getting drunk so I felt so uncomfortable and so awkward um so it would be in our like flat in our li- in our living room, and then as soon as they would go uh, get a taxi to go into town to go clubbing, I would then spend the rest of the night cleaning the kitchen so that I could feel like you know I was included, like I was still doing something but related to the party, which is so horrible to think about. You're um, so sweet. And I, <laughs> like they'd come back that uh, they'd come back at three a.m. and I'd be there like I oh, clean the kitchen. <laughs> they must have loved you. You were the ideal flatmate. <laughs> yeah, they did, to be fair. It was disgusting, to be honest. But I think for, for students that don't drink or cannot drink, um, we automatically get a disadvantage at, at Freshers' Week and we miss out on those like Definitely. vital memories of making friends. Because I remember they used to come back and be like, oh, we did this this night and we did this this night. And I was just... it Like, obviously, I'm happy that they had fun, but I just felt so left out. Um, and then, yeah, and then I turned 18. Uh... And I then finally felt like, okay, that's when I can get included, like, and can be a part of 
part of it. And there was a peer pressure, I think, of it. So as soon as I turned 18, if I did refuse to drink, it was, you're not fun. Oh, don't be boring. Come on, let's go out. You're 18. Like, this is supposed to be the time for you to do all these things. Yeah. And so, like, I just felt that pressure. And also something I hated was, like, seeing how different people were when they were drunk versus when they were sober. Mm -hmm. So I, like, I know someone from freshers year who only talked to her friends when she was drunk. Like, her, she'd have friends that were just her, like, drunk friends. So when she's sober, she would never talk to them. And I think that may have to do with maybe her not being, like, so confident in herself when yeah. she was sober. Or, like, her self-esteem. Um, but, yeah, so then I turned 18. And then I became that student that went clubbing and get, got drunk three times a week. Like, I, I unfortunately became that uh, student. And I think I did it to make friends. Because I just, I thought that was the vibe, you know, like, you had to... Because if I wasn't going out, I was missing out on all all the fun, like FOMO. Yeah. So honestly, honestly, first year was a blur for me because I was just drunk for most of it. Um, and I don't think I made any decisions in first year because I wanted to. It was just something I had to do, um, which thinking back on it now makes me upset because I did think I always pride myself on, on being true to myself. And I, I thought I was stronger than that. I do think talking about like inclusion... I think that is probably one of the big positives about alcohol. And we don't want to, you know, this podcast isn't to talk about how we hate alcohol or anything like that. Because we do both drink. We still drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do really enjoy it at parts, you know. And I think that was... So my early memories at uni are really positive to do with alcohol. Because it was just, you know, having fun, making memories. And I do think... You know, one of my favorite things is kind of meeting up the next morning and, you know, when your friends, you just debrief about like the, about weekend the, night, or the night before. <laughs> yeah. And you just like share memories and like bits of what people can remember. And you're just like, oh my God, true, that happened. I like, did I that. Completely... Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> so there is obviously also positive sides to alcohol. And yeah. I think that's the main thing that is always talked about. It's always like, oh my God, it's so fun. So we just kind of also, I guess, want to share light about maybe yeah. the the other side just thinking about this topic and stuff something i pondered upon like i ha- I, I literally wrote down when i was right when i was uh, planning this podcast i was like questions i ponder about um <laughs> and I, I feel like do you mind if i just like say them to you and then like get your view on things yeah sure so the first one i'm that I thought of is if we know how bad alcohol is, the effects of it, the possibility of drunk driving, being un- being unfaithful in relationships because of loss of judgment, the way it can negatively affect friendships and the addiction side of things. Why is it so normalized in society? So it's everywhere. It's on t- in TV shows and movies. It's an integral part of student and young life. But like, why don't we view it the same way we view smoking nowadays? Because smoking now we like it's literally on the packet when you buy a pack of cigarettes it's literally like the 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 bad side effects but with with um alcohol it's still so normalized and i like just thinking about it and i'm like how like how are we so okay with this i think it's so interesting because i think if it was introduced now i think alcohol would be illegal but i think because it's just been part of our culture and our history for so so many years and decades and probably yeah. centuries that's why it's become so normalized as this i guess form of escape almost feeling like for that time that you're drinking or for that night, you can kind of let go, you know, release some of your inhibitions. I guess in a way, I think why alcohol is still so popular is because for me personally, I do really enjoy the period of being tipsy. I think that's just kind of where I've noticed my limits for me. I don't enjoy 
getting drunk to the point where I feel like I have loss of memory or loss of control. And whereas I do find joy in just being slightly tipsy and it just kind of being this really fun atmosphere. Maybe you get super emotional or deep with your friends, you know, it can kind of, it can also lead to conversations that you normally wouldn't have or to confessions that you normally wouldn't have made. Yeah. And in that sense, it can be something positive. And I think that's where I'm now at. That's how I want to use alcohol at this point. You know, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm not going to ever drink again. Also, you know, some types of alcohol are very, very tasty. It's interesting you saying that though, like that you'd want to drink to be in that tipsy space where you feel good and you feel like you can have these like more fun and like open conversations with your friends. That's something else I pondered on. And it's like, why can't we feel that feeling when we're sober? And I think it's like, we find if if we find ways to be happy when we're sober through like self-care and like learning to not give a shit of what anyone else thinks of you and like letting go of these worries and stuff then you can be happy sober in a party you need to i think like like something i now because of this conversation i want to try work on is like finding like what i enjoy when i'm tipsy and like trying to make those happen when i'm sober you know so whether it is like i feel like i can say a dad joke without being worried about being judged so like i can try work on saying that when i'm sober you know yeah i completely agree and i i've definitely gone through periods where i have gone to lots of like pre-drinks or parties sober and it's almost like you get into the mood even though you're not drinking, like the the vibe of the place or of the party kind of still affects your mood in a way. Yeah. So I actually don't think being sober at a party is that bad. I think you kind of have to get past maybe the initial half an hour or so of awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean that shouldn't even exist. Like you shouldn't feel awkward about not drinking at any stage. But I feel like just because it's so normalized in our culture and yeah. the way going out is at the moment, I think that is just a given. But also, I do think it's very explainable why, you know, feeling tipsy is kind of a different state of mind. And I don't think you can necessarily reproduce exactly that. Just because it is a mind-altering substance. Like, you are literally being put into a different state of mind than when you're sober. Yeah. But it's, like, sad that us as humans don't have that capability to feel that way when we are sober. Being (laughs) in a happy, like, joyful state when you're sober is, I guess, just more authentic and truer happiness. To be fair, did you ever notice at uni, well, I don't know if this has happened to you, but if I had a bad day at uni and I was upset when I was sober, that side of me came out when I was drunk. Um, And then if I had like a really good day and I was genuinely happy when I was sober, that side, like I'd have the best night out because I wasn't worrying about things that were like subconscious. So I think maybe it's that idea like, oh, we, we feel happy when we're tipsy. But that's probably because you are just happy. It's just like those feelings times 10 because <laughs> you're like letting your body feel that's that That's so way. true. I definitely think that alcohol kind of just releases or intensifies maybe the subconscious feelings that you're having anyways. The next thing we wanted to talk about anyways is sort of why being sober is so controversial at our age because I listened to several podcasts about it this week and one line really stuck with me, which is, so being sober is the only healthy lifestyle choice that other people really frown upon. and. I guess we've already talked about this a little bit, you know, sort of peer pressure that we've maybe faced. But I think that often voicing that one isn't drinking is, in my experience, like met with outcries and saying, oh, you're no fun, you know, people wanting you to drink. And I'm not even saying that I'm innocent of that myself because I'm sure that I have played a role in that in the past. Like being like, oh, why aren't you going out? Why aren't you drinking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not innocent of any of this. And I, and I don't know why people do that you know it's 
almost like somebody's personal choice to not drink is seen as a way of judgment of you or other people drinking. And also I think maybe people being sober at the same party that they're at almost makes the people drinking scared of those people's judgment and that maybe they won't be able to like let loose or have fun in the same way. Yeah, exactly. To be fair, that is something like that's so interesting to think about because I've literally witnessed it at parties when um, the sober people are like, ju- like if, if a drunk person's having way too much fun, like jumping on tables, going crazy, there is that judgment. And it's like, yeah, but if you were drunk, you'd be doing the same exact thing. And it's like, why do we, if you're sober, you're judging the drunk people. If you're drunk, you're judging the sober people. There's always that level of judgment. It's so interesting because at the end of the day, it's a personal choice, you know, we're at the age where it's legal to drink, people can consume alcohol as long as they don't drive and don't do any other irresponsible stuff. So in theory, everybody should just be able to do as they please. Yeah, as long as they're not hurting themselves or hurting anyone around them, you can't really be saying or judging anyone for their decisions, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's especially prevalent at our age group, like around sort of early 20s. Yeah. Because I'm sure when we're older, we're going to probably have a very different view on this. And also, I think the way that people (laughs) have fun or socialize on the weekends will definitely change. So I think being sober is, it's also controversial at our age, because there's this assumption that when you're sober, you were at some point an alcoholic or had problems with alcohol, but it shouldn't be like your decision to become sober shouldn't be because something bad has happened. It should just be a, I'm making that decision now where I don't want to be drinking alcohol anymore. I agree. I think that's the same thing which we kind of touched upon in the beginning is that there's no nuance to the conversation in the sense that it's either you're an alcoholic or you have a fine relationship with alcohol, which I don't think that's the case. I think there's so many, you know, gray areas in between. One thing as well I want to just say, because I, I read it somewhere and it's quite interesting, and it's, if a woman says she doesn't want to have a drink that day, don't just assume she's pregnant. Or ask her, are you pregnant? Oh my god, don't tell me you're pregnant. Because she probably just doesn't want to drink. Like, leave her alone. <laughs> that is true. I guess that is going to be a real thing when we are maybe approaching our late 20s. Now, I don't think anybody's ever asked me whether I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it is a maybe it is a when we get older as something we're gonna have to deal with. The last thing we kind of wanted to talk about is how do we see ourselves of raising our kids in relationship to alcohol parties, etc. Because I guess we kind of touched on it in the beginning how our own parents handled it in a way. See, this is odd because obviously, like I can I can do it the way I want to do it, but I think when you're in a relationship, you have to consider what both parents think is the best way to to do it. So like. I know I had the good experience where I didn't drink till I was 18 and I had like that open relationship with my parents. Um, It may have been different though because I was in like in an Arab country where drinking wasn't so heavily influenced at at such a young age. Um, So I think if I were raising my kids here, obviously they'll be surrounded by people that are starting to drink at 14 and 15. So I might have to touch upon it differently to be like, okay, I know you're like, and then because like, Ed said he what he liked about his dad is if he were going to a party where he knew people were drinking, his dad would give him two beers and be like, okay, those are the two drinks you're drinking for the night. And it's like, it's good because you're trusting your kid to drink what you're giving him and not what anyone else might be giving him. So I think it's just like setting boundaries. Um, and then also like knowing the surroundings that your kids are in. So like for me, I'd base my decision on who they're hanging out with, I think as well. But also I'd, I'll try avoid making alcohol consumption a big part of their younger lives. So even, I think if I were to have kids, I'd stop drinking 
as well during even like during the weekends or stuff i just like avoid have so so because something i said i liked was that how alcohol wasn't a day-to-day thing in my household so i'd want it to be something as well for them where it's like just for an occasional thing like oh we're celebrating this we'll have a drink um but not an everyday thing because i like i think that helped me subconsciously not have a really dependent relationship on alcohol what about you leo i think i just generally want to be a very open parent and I know that probably most people say this but I truly want my kids to feel like they can tell me anything no matter how quote-unquote bad something is yeah um and I think in my opinion that would then mean talking about any topic just not making it taboo so talking about alcohol drugs sex whatever it is I just wouldn't want to label any restrictions about it just you know open the conversation about it talk about the negative as well as the positive side because I completely acknowledge that they'll be put into in situations where their friends are going to be drinking and where they maybe want to be drinking as well and I exactly want to avoid that sort of binge restrict mindset and instead them learning to see alcohol as something that you can enjoy and even savor if it's if it's for example about nice wines or nice cocktails or making drinks so maybe introducing them to alcohol in that way and but I think the most important thing is just opening the conversation and knowing that if they have any questions they know there's not going to be any judgment and I hope that when I'm at the age where I'm a parent that I'm going to remember what it was like when I was a teenager drinking you know because I think obviously all parents you know they start off with great intentions but I think it can be so easy to forget where teenagers are coming from yeah I think I might be flawed in that sense where I'll be like I didn't drink till I was 18 so no you're not drinking till you're 18 (laughs) like I didn't need to I still had fun at parties but like I need to be more understanding probably that their childhood is going to be much different than mine (laughs) okay something else I actually want to bring up which I think it's less about like our experiences with alcohol but just something I was thinking about which is, why do we gender stereotype alcoholic drinks? Why is that a thing? Why, like, every time I order beer, they're like, oh, she's drinking with the lads. And it's like, no, I just like the taste of beer. And, like, if a guy order, orders, if a guy orders, um, like, an apple teeny or a cosmopolitan, they're like, oh, it's like I'm drinking with my younger sister. And it's like, why? Like, it's just a drink, just because it's more fruity. Why is it more girly? I don't know. It's just something weird I was thinking about. That is so true. That just shows how deeply entrenched so gender norms and stereotypes are in every aspect of our culture that's that that is very interesting to think about i remember ordering beer and then and then feeling guilty because they were like oh you oh she drinks beer this one and it's like but what's wrong like it tastes nice i like the taste of it see i've had the opposite experience where i don't like the taste of beer and i've been made to feel really bad about it so often I mean also because I'm from Germany so it's like a such a classic German drink so in Germany everybody drinks it like women and yeah. men alike <laughs> but I I feel like I was almost labeled as like not proper German because I don't drink beer especially playing beer pong I always ask if I can put my own drink in the cups because I just I literally I just don't enjoy the taste of beer and people have such an issue with it and I don't know why <laughs> it is so odd I don't know we, we kind of just went off about just a bunch of rants about alcohol. Um, but yeah, I hope we like shed some light on just our different experiences on alcohol and that it's not either you have a great relationship with alcohol or it's or you have a horrible relationship. Like there's so many different phases you go through in life and obviously your experiences with alcohol and relationship with alcohol will change as your phases change. I feel like it's something we can... Because 
for because I listened to another podcast that Leo told me to listen to about alcohol, and it made me just. I feel like it's an. It's interesting to think about things that you don't normally think about. So I never questioned my relationship with alcohol, but I feel like it's just really good to understand your relationship with things and like why you do the things you do and why you feel the ways you do. Um, and even if it is just with alcohol, this can just maybe let you think of it from a different perspective. Because I know I did at least like having this conversation. I completely agree, especially because it's so normalized. I think often we don't even think about why we drink or why it's normal or why we would even want to yeah. on a weekend. And I've really enjoyed this conversation because we have never spoken about this. And I don't think I've ever really spoken to it <laughs> like that much with friends. Yeah, I haven't. Not to this like depth, especially. Yeah. So what do you want to get out of this, Leo? Like, do you think you're going to do anything differently after having this conversation? Or are you going to just think differently? I've kind of been on this path for a little while, but I think I just want to continue to reframe my relationship to alcohol. And like I said previously, think about it as something that I can enjoy and that is in parts of really fun sort of sociable activity and something for me to enjoy in moderation. I think for me my like takeaway from this conversation is if I'm going let's say I'm going out with friends or something and I instinctively feel beforehand like oh I need to have a few drinks to feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. and stuff I might just push myself to not have drinks before yeah just so I can like practice being comfortable and like still so you know because you know you know that feeling when you're like before a date you're like oh I might have like a glass of wine quickly so that you feel more like social and stuff so I might just try consciously avoid doing that at least beforehand so that I don't feel like okay I am reliant on that to be me and to be that fun person that I want to show to others I just want to have that like I want to be that without feeling that that I need that encouragement from a glass of wine or something beforehand See, I think dating and alcohol is like a completely other subsection, which we have a different topic. Yeah. And I guess we don't really have the time to go into it, but I do think it's really interesting how intertwined they are. Like first dates and alcohol are kind of yeah. go hand in hand. And it's almost unimaginable not to have at least like sort of one drink on a date. We could do a topic, like maybe if people like this topic and they want us to do it, we can have a more specific one just about dating and alcohol because that would be quite fun to talk about. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We definitely enjoyed talking about it. And we hope you tune in next week. Yes. Speak to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.